Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Ethel Merman brought her in. I think it's every Tuesday, Ethel Merman Day. We should make it a national holiday. You can't do that. We should close school on Ethel Merman Day. I believe every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. It's the vibrato. <laughs> it's. I was getting a massage today. No, really. I was, no. and uh, my uh, person masseuse. But she's. I don't consider her a masseuse. She's like. Does your wife know about this? Um. Yeah. <laughs> but she said, "Man, your your throat is really." sore or not like tender or something i don't know stiff wait she was massaging your throat my neck but then but she got to the front and i'm like you know it's because i went to a baseball game and i was yelling and i think it wasn't the baseball game i think it's ethel merman when i do the ethel merman too much ethel merman makes your throat yeah too tight i have a very sensitive throat so here's the deal (laughs) today's show we are talking about self-criticism and our tendency to like not have really positive self-talk, our tendency to like be very, not very, I don't, what's the word, very negative about how yeah, we see ourselves. See, and I'm sitting here <laughs> with Maddie Richards. Hello. Uh, the um, 16-year-old member of our team. <laughs> I'm 20. Uh, the 20-year-old member of our team who amazingly in her young Young, young, vibrant age <laughs> packs a wallop of um, power and strength on this team. Thank you. Like you have more strength than you probably should have for your age and more power. You're very um, verbal. Um, thank you. So I'm sure that what that means is you have great self-image and a very quiet inner critic. Yes no, or no? No, I am my. I feel like I'm my harsh, harshest critic, and I feel like most people are like. That. Well, actually, Jay, James is your harshest critic because when you're no. not here, he's oh, talking you about are, you. Reserve no, that right. Yeah. You are this. You no 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 no. He, no, no. We, he is. Oh me. no, James never says anything mean about me. You always say nice things about James, though. I do. I try to say nice things, except for well, to you. You kind but. of say nice things to everybody, but me. But here's the deal. So last night I was supposed to go have my picture taken. Uh huh. For some for a new website. Oh, nice. And if this is where my inner critic comes out. So I can talk without really thinking about it anywhere and not care. Mm-hmm. I'll never listen to myself on the show. Okay. Like I never go back and listen to the show. I kind I, of I should actually. Yeah. Excellent. The executive producer under his breath <laughs> to say, well, you should. But Which I no, thought was I understand that. Like Judy Dench never watched any of her movies or TV shows. Yeah. Why would you? You, yeah. you already were in them. Yeah, you you know what it, it. you know what happened. But I also don't like it because then I'm like, oh my voice, and then I oh I said um 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 a lot of no, times. No, I totally feel you on that. Are you that way with pictures? Because with pictures, yeah. I would rather honestly. Yesterday, I would have rather had a root canal. Oh wow! Than going to get my picture. Well, taken. I don't think I'm that bad, but you're you're a good looking guy, Matt. You shouldn't worry. Did you re- did you get that? <laughs> did yeah. you record that? Uh, yeah, we're going to have that and play that back. <laughs> okay, because from here on out, I'm probably going to start listening to the show. <laughs> if you're going to say that, but I because I don't feel I don't like having my picture taken. A lot of people don't ever. A lot of people, you know, post their selfies and stuff. Yeah, I would. Never but they take, a take selfie. but they take twenty selfies before oh, yeah. they find one no. that's quote unquote hot enough. Yeah, that's for them to post. I don't even do that. I, I, I if I took fifty, I couldn't pick one. 
I've spent a lot of money getting pictures taken, and I don't like any of them. I've had one Aww. picture taken that I use for promotional purposes, and it was kind of accidental. It was just taken. Those are, those are the best ones sometimes. Yeah, it was your, it was a it was a police lineup thing, <laughs> but it was beautiful. Sure, you looked really good in that yeah. police. I lineup. almost looked five eleven, five ten, <laughs> six foot maybe, um, five ten, five eleven. No, you don't. You shouldn't be so. Well, but I am. So here's what we got to figure out today. How do I get rid of that little inner critic that's like, no, you're not. No, that's a fake smile. You know what it is? It's fake. It's I a smile totally agree. for a picture is fake. I agree. Because any, anytime anyone says say something funny right now. You can't I can't it. be funny. And if they say, smile, I can't do it. My wife can just strike the most gorgeous smile you've ever seen. Oh, that's so sweet. It's beautiful. I can't do it. I Well, I think your pictures look nice. Don't worry. Well, I guess if we're doing it for you, that's good. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else does too. Well, that's why candid pictures are so great because exactly. yeah. you capture what can't be fake. That's it. So except I send people to my – like when I do a speech, we'll hire someone to come take my picture. But when you're speaking, your mouth is always open, and you're make, I make weird faces. So I always look like, <laughs> so that doesn't work either. So here's the, what we have to solve by the end of today, because now I had to reschedule my photo shoot, because I, I, I really prayed hard, and I think God intervened. And, and we had a storm that oh, ruined no. the photo shoot. Okay, well... I bet by the end of today, you will be ready to go for your next photo shoot, and you'll pray that the weather's great so that you can go. Okay, well, let's... That's the goal. Let's let's make that happen. Okay, So will done. you make that happen? Well, I won't, but we have an expert that will. Well, but I want you to guarantee it. Um, or what? Or... Blah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, anyway, well... Anyway, I'll then, figure it out. Okay, well, I, so, okay, and then here's what's getting worse. As if pictures weren't bad enough. It used to just be you could have a bad picture and then they just go away. But now with social media, they come back. Exactly. And they go to everyone. And, and everybody... I'll have a picture taken with somebody at a speech. I don't know them. And then it's now it's out in the world. It's true. Social <sighs> media is... That's something we're going to focus on right now for a little bit. What? Because it makes us compare ourselves to yeah. everybody else, which totally leads to self-criticism. That's probably the the number one way to criticize yourself is on social media. Are you are you a social media stalker? Like, do you go like what do they call you, creeper? Oh you yeah, you go creep people's sites and oh, like, oh yeah, look at that. Time. I want to be like that all the time. Do you? You know, I and I try not to feel too bad about myself, but it's hard because you see someone like oh. That is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Or, oh, they got mm-hmm. to go on that amazing trip. Yeah. That person got to help put out a fire if you're mad. Yeah, I did. He, he did. So, like, I'm like a firefighter. I'm a stud. I'm muscly. I'm ripped. <laughs> so you look at that and you think you want to be muscly and ripped. Like Yeah, me. no, but it's easy to compare yourselves to other people, your friends, and even the people that you don't really know. Well, why would you – how do you – you don't have a friend you don't know on Facebook, do you? Oh, Yeah. You have the, a lot of friends you don't They're more acquaintances probably. than friends. They're, well, and then there's people that you can find on Facebook that, you know, have so, said this thing or other. And you can go to their page and, oh, I'm jealous of all these things about them. I'm horrible. So you are a creeper. Well, all like of us full, are. Okay, all of us are. Let's be honest for a second. No, really. I don't do that. Well, you're old. Okay, here we go. See? <laughs> there we go. See? Right there. She was a she was an angel. Did you notice that, James? She yeah. was an angel for, let's see how long. Oh, 11 minutes of the show. Actually, eight minutes of the show. Beautiful. And Complimentary. Then, boom. boom. 
Then she just shoots Sometimes, one right between your eyes. No, I'm I'm just honest. Lulls you into a false uh-huh. sense of security, yeah. and then you're like you're like you're like enamored, and then bam, she hey, hits you. Hey, you called me a creeper. What was it's I like what to they do? do when they're killing cattle? No, they just oh, lull wow. you. They get you in the track. I feel like you just start walking, and then all horrible. of a sudden, bam. That is awful. And you're sledgehammered. No, we're talking. We're supposed to be focusing on something important. Right? I wanted to until you got all <laughs> personal and critical. Maybe I'm just sensitive today. <laughs> no, go ahead. So keep talking about how you creep and then okay, how I'm no, old. Okay, no, we're not talking about creeping. We're talking about social media and how it makes us narcissistic. Yes, it does. Because it then you write us, the story about you. Whatever you want yeah, to be, you are. You post about this is what I did. This is what my family's doing. And there's even, I don't know if you've seen it, but the hashtag... My dog is better than your dog. My family is better than your family. My vacation is better than your vacation. Really? Oh, all over. It's a very common Uh, hashtag. Hashtag waste of time. Hashtag get a job. And it's the the narcissism that makes us then turn to be critical. Of ourselves or others? Of ourselves and others. So we can be critical of others, but we're also putting this hashtag of my something is better than yours because we're insecure. Yeah. We want other people to think ours is better. Yeah. So it all turns back to this narcissism is showing that we are insecure. We have no self-esteem. We are, we're super self-critical. So we that's the answer. We need to get rid of Facebook no. and Instagram <laughs> and Pinterest. I'm not saying that, but the but social should. media should focus on not just our accomplishments, not just – what we're doing in our daily lives, but we should be able to focus on other people. You know what? I see that on my own website, which is really my wife spends most of the time running. Uh-huh. It. She's brilliant. But we don't really usually puff me up, mm-hmm. which I wish we'd do more. <laughs> but, she, but what she likes and what it's amazing is so attractive to people is when she just puts out great stories, good human interest kind of things, people that are struggling but getting through life and making it happen – that's what attracts people. So that is a good message. We need to make sure that we're using Facebook to build others, yeah. not just ourselves. And it's a good way to – it's a good reality check to think, okay, how often am I posting about myself? How often am I doing my own business and not caring about what other people are accomplishing? Yeah. So turn it off. Go see what other people are accomplishing. And if you want to post about that, great. Why don't you say something more like um, let it go? I mean, we had to fold that in, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like to do is not – I don't like Facebook as much. I mean I love it. To, it, it not really. Um, I was going to try to <laughs> pretend like I do. But it's – I personally would rather just go to like an app. I don't know, Deer Hunter 2014. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to get as many bells and whistles as, in as bells, we can. Whistles as we can right now. You um, – social media and – do do you feel less than apparently it's like 350 people if you have more than 350 friends on your social media on your Facebook page you'll start to end up getting more and more people that'll be in your feeds and those feeds then start to make you feel more negative about yourself cuz you're yeah. seeing more and more images yeah. so you shouldn't have more than 350 friends well i don't know about that how many friends do you have on facebook i don't know i haven't counted well of course you know <laughs> i don't let's go sean Facebook counts for you. There's a number right on the screen. I don't know. I haven't looked at the number since <laughs> I don't know, uh, 10 minutes ago. No, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's probably better to have fewer friends. I'm totally all for that. The point is, if you can 
check what you're doing, give yourself a reality check, then you're going to – it doesn't matter how many friends you have because you'll be in that state of mind That's where good. I'm good enough. doesn't matter what Sally, whoever posts. Well, I'm okay. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it seems like you can kind of – you can let it get away from you because I notice that there's kind of this downward spiral of thoughts. If you're seeing all this like positive stuff from everyone, so-and-so is doing great things with their lives and so-and-so forth, you know, you can go in this like negative spiral of like, man, this really stinks and stuff. And so yeah. being able to pop out of that and just see Facebook for what it really – because it's so well, contrived. And, and you can be happy for other people. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being so, oh, well, I don't have this, yeah. you can be happy. Yeah that someone else yeah. has something great and count your blessings too. But just realize the fact that people aren't going to go onto Facebook to post all the negative stuff that's happening in their no. lives. You know, Well, some do. Some, yeah, it's true. <laughs> just Mike Pond does that all the time. <laughs> Every day. He must Every, not be here. But, my goodness. Yeah, he's got to stop that. Um, so when we come back, we're going to be talking the entire show today about the inner critic, how you quiet the inner critic, how you take care of uh, you and, and really learn to maybe have a little better self-talk uh, Bryce Dunford is going to be joining us. He is the author and co-author, actually, of the book, I Am More Than Enough, helping women silence their inner critic and celebrate their inner voice. He's going to be talking more than just to the women today. He's going to help all of us uh, to uh, quiet our inner our inner critic. A lot to learn today. I'm going to figure out how to, how to be okay taking a picture and then putting it on Facebook. It'll be good. It's a good day. Folks, thanks for joining us. We are going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, great show for you today. Today we're talking about the inner critic and how to, I guess, quiet it, how to control that, those, some of those thoughts and some of those very, um, I don't know, self-deprecating thoughts, the demeaning beliefs you have, some of, those, some of the stinking thinking that you got to get shoved out of your head that maybe uh, somehow grew inside of you. That's what we're trying to figure out today, how you do that. We got a great guest uh, joining us. Bryce Dunford is in the studio with us. He is the author of the book, I Am More Than Enough, Helping Women Silence Their Inner Critic and Celebrate Their Inner Voice. His, uh, he's a co-author with Dr. Robert Jones. Dr. Robert Jones is a good friend of mine, and I've, I've heard, I've seen the book, I've heard all about it, and uh, we have Bryce here with us. Bryce has been a religious educator for 20 years. He's taught thousands of students at both high school and college levels in Utah and Arizona. He received a bachelor's degree in human biology from the University of Utah and a master's degree in educational leadership from Northern Arizona University. He and his wife, Jennifer, reside in South Jordan, Utah, and have nine children Bryce, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. i got to point out that it's almost 10. My wife is expecting any day Holy now. Holy cow. In the infamous words of my nana, Bryce, control yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All planned. That will go down in history as my, my nana's claim to fame. Matthew, control yourself. Nine, almost 10 children. Almost 10. Now, here's the first question a lot of people out there are asking. Now, I know how this came to be because I know Robert Jones, your co-author. Um, how do two men... Write a book about women. I am more than enough helping women silence the inner critic and celebrate their inner voice. How did you two get there? Well, we've been really nervous about that and really sensitive to the fact that two men are writing this book. But 
Um, it's years and years of thinking and processing and observing. I'm a teacher, and I've had thousands of young women and women in my classrooms, and he sits across the table from women yeah. and tries to balance their hormones and help them find some hormone balance. And between the two of us, we've just observed so many wonderful women out there who just have this natural tendency to tear themselves down. And out of sheer love for these great women, we both kind of went on a quest to say, well, what can we do to help that? How can we help people who are so kind to other people, so generous and so forgiving, and yet so hard on themselves? What are some practical everyday helps that we can give them? So after probably 11 years of research and pondering and, and focus groups and discussions and all these little get-togethers, we just decided to you know, type up everything that we had learned into a book and I've to see seen if it. it would be helpful. I've seen how it helps people. That's actually how I met Robert Jones um, was – I have I see a lot of clients, a lot of women, and a lot of them come in kind of having their own little midlife crisis. Um and you know, they're struggling with their partner, they don't feel good enough, they don't have uh you know, as much drive, as much sexual drive, their partner's wanting more, they feel like their body's ugly, they have a lot of negative thoughts. And uh one day we I I just found this really interesting connection to the fact that sometimes this is this has nothing to even do with maybe the thought per se, but a chemical yeah. and, a, and a, a chemical imbalance. Um, and then I found Robert Jones, who's helping these women balance their hormones. And then we started meeting. And so is that so you probably see it's interesting, kind of a psychological side of it, kind of the psyche involved. But then also you see the chemistry involved. And that was one of Dr. Jones's frustrations and why kind of the two of us teamed up is he would sit across the table and help these women who had a hormone imbalance. Yeah. He, he said, you know, I can fix your body. I can fix the hormones. But what he wasn't doing was fixing the thinking. Yeah. And he just was frustrated that there wasn't an avenue that he had to fix their thinking. And so when he and I became friends and I shared my thoughts and he shared his, his thoughts, he said, let's write a book. Let's write a book and see if maybe we can help. Um, the thinking process rather right. than the hormone. So yes, the book addresses some of the hormone imbalances and how, how we can do that. But the the bulk of the book is to try and design to help, you know, the thinking, the natural tendency to tear oneself down, to what, criticize. So what is that? I mean, the, the exact title of the book is I Am More Than Enough, Helping Women Silence Their Inner Critic and Celebrate Their Inner Voice. What is it with the thought of, and is it just a female thought? I am... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not, I'm not great enough. I'm it, not good enough. I'm yeah, not it's adequate. certainly not a female thought. But one of the ways we like to illustrate, if you want to see the difference between men and women, go to a crowded room and just sit quietly and watch people walk into the room. See, a man will walk into the room and he'll check out the room. Yeah, ready to kill. Now, if if you, I mean, what are we gonna, what's going to hurt me? Well, even more than that, if you watch his eyes, he's looking for the most beautiful woman in the world. Really? That's natural for men. He sits that. in a room and he wants to see the prettiest woman. Interesting. And if you continue to watch his eyes, he'll focus in on one and keep looking at her as if to say, I really like this room because this is a, you know, she's a beautiful woman. That's natural for men. Now, sit there and watch a, wom- a woman walk into the room. Well, she did. she will check out the room. Now I know yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah. She's looking for the most beautiful man. Yeah. She's she's looking for who's the most handsome man. No. Watch her eyes carefully. She's checking out all the women in the room. So we're both checking out the women, but it's for a very different reason. Yeah. Now she has this natural 
susceptibility. She has a natural tendency to be very sensitive to what she thinks are her weaknesses. And so she'll walk into the room and she'll look for someone who has a strength in an area where she has a weakness. Oh, interesting. And she's looking for who is prettier. Who is So a woman who's a little sensitive to her weight yeah. will look at all the skinny women in the room. A woman who's yeah. sensitive to her, you know, her mothering, mm-hmm. um, what kind of mother she is. She'll notice the women with their children. And we have found that women have this natural tendency to look for those who have a strength in an area in which they have a weakness. Women seem to have this natural tendency to tear themselves down, to think less of themselves. Now, what's so funny about that is it's, it's unnatural. Yeah. Now, in our book, we like to say, now, look, women are not the only ones that are screwed up because men have this natural tendency for sexual arousal. Sure. Which is why he's checking out the most beautiful woman in the room. Um, we like to point out that, you know, I know it's natural. It's natural for a man to pursue sexual arousal, but it's not natural. For example, if we compare a man's sexual appetite with his appetite for food. Yeah. Now, the biological purpose of sex is to procreate and have children. The biological purpose of eating is to refuel our bodies. Right. So if a man could eat whenever he wants, as much as he wants, he would certainly overeat. But not dramatically so. He wouldn't eat 10 times more than what his body needs. Yeah. So in other words, his appetite is in relative proportion to its function. Yeah. So, yeah, it's in alignment relatively. But if a man gave in to his sexual urges every time he felt one and as often as he felt one, and if every one of those resulted in a baby— yeah, oh boy. It wouldn't take long before he's populated a small little yeah. town. Then my Nana would be mad. In other words, his appetite is grossly out of proportion to its function. Yeah. So anyone watching this would say, okay, we got a problem here. There's something unusual about this. Mm-hmm. And men, this is something you need to work on. So that's what we call men's weakness. That's our, that is the male uh, counterpart yeah. of tearing yourself down. So that's what we call men's weakness. That's good. Now, lest you know, men think that they came to earth with a, you know, a deficiency, it's yeah. harder to be a man than a woman, we began asking ourselves, okay, well, what's natural? what is women's weakness? It's certainly not the same thing. And then we realized that this natural tendency to tear yourselves down is just as out of proportion as a man's sexual appetite. For example, if you watch the great women in your life around other people, watch how kind and generous they are. Watch how forgiving and selfless and how quick they are to overlook forge- or sure. imperfections. Yeah. And then watch them with their own selves. And they don't. They are so much more ruthless to themselves than they ever would be with someone else. And, and you're saying that's, 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 again, that's out of proportion. That's where the, the red flag goes up and says, okay, we got a challenge here. This yeah. is what women need to work on. And so that was kind of uh, what compelled us to see if we could write some actual, some how-tos. and some, That is Let's see if we huge. can diagnose this issue and say, where is it that we help? And so our attempt in the book is to say, okay, what's the challenge here and how do we fix it? It's funny because we as um – is how many times has a husband sat there and tried to explain to his wife she's beautiful, she's more than enough? By the way, probably because of his appetite, right? <laughs> so his, his weakness. He's, he's driving like, oh, you're hot. You're, you're believe me, you're hot. But she then won't believe. It, it really is. It's but, it's it's and then it puts it at, uh, at odds, and then it also heightens her need to seemingly be better than she is, and and her never accepting it maybe makes him feel like 
gosh, what is it about me? And then it starts the spiral. Yeah. And so uh, another huge. interesting thing is what, what happens if he has it? You know, she says, do I look beautiful? And he hesitates. Uh, or, uh, he, you know, and so it's just that it's that yeah. natural tendency to tear yourself down and Someone's to compare gonna. yourself and to think yourself. What's so funny is if a woman were to come to a woman and say, I don't feel like I'm very pretty. What would the woman say to her? Oh, you're beautiful. Yeah. You should not look at your flaws. You should see all your yeah. wonderful qualities. And yet they won't do that they to themselves. Isn't themselves. that amazing? Excellent stuff. We're talking with Bryce Dunford, the author of the book, I, co-author of the book, I Am More Than Enough, helping women silence their inner critic and celebrate their inner voice, a book he co-authored with Dr. Robert Jones. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, male weakness, female weakness, he's been explaining it. We're going to get in a little bit deeper and find out about some of his research and uh, even some of the themes that uh, they have found in their research on uh, kind of the human psyche and our inner critic. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about, uh, you know, taking care of that inner critic and maybe going in, figuring out the switch and learning how to turn off the inner critic. And we are talking with Bryce Dunford, the author of I Am More Than Enough, Helping Women Silence Their Inner Critic and Celebrate Their Inner Voice. That's a book he co-authored with Dr. Robert Jones. And Bryce is a religious educator. He's been teaching for 20 years. He has a master's degree um, in educational leadership from Northern Arizona University. He and his wife uh, are expecting their 10th child. That's right. a boy. Um, but it also tells us that, you know, this battle, this yin and yang we were talking about um, of the female kind of has a, a, a weakness. You've learned in some of the research that the basic female weakness that haunts them is this need, not need, this compelling reason somehow somewhere in them to tear themselves down and compare themselves to others. Yep. Usually they're, they're weakest to someone else's strength. It's easiest for them to see a strength in someone else that compares to a, a vulnerability or a sensitivity, a weakness that they have in yeah. themselves. And then the male weakness is kind of this almost insatiable sexual appetite that keeps them driving above and beyond their actual need. And then but you've, in your research, you've, you've also gotten into the fact that this isn't – a lot of times we think it's a physical thing or we think it's just a psychological thing. But, but talk about that. This is, this is more complicated than any one thing. In, in, in spending years trying to find a solution for helping both men and women with their natural tendency, we came to the conclusion that there is an electrical and a chemical aspect to both of these weaknesses. Thoughts are electrical. They come and go with the speed of electricity. Hmm. They can be easily changed. Now, a lot of people don't, think, don't believe this the first time around, but you can only think one thing at, a, at, at once. Yeah. You can't think multiple things. Now, you can switch back and forth, but you can only think one thing at a time. And that's how quickly thoughts come and go. They're electrical. So you have to face the challenge. So you have a little window when it's electrical. When your thoughts are electrical, and, you know, you can deal with the electrical issue. The, the, the advantage is they're easy to change. It's very yeah. easy to change a thought. It's like the light di- on, light off. That's right. Very quickly. Yeah. The difficulty is that stage only lasts for a brief moment. Right. Now, if a thought is allowed to linger, 
if, a, if the electrical allows, allows to linger, it starts to trigger all sorts of hormonal responses in the body. And now the electrical becomes chemical. Oh, now the now hormones chem- are getting involved. Now the hormones are involved. They're, they're racing through the bloodstream. And chemical lasts a lot longer. It's a lot more enduring. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to change. So you've got two little windows here to change our natural tendencies. You've got an electrical window when it's a thought. Yeah. And then you've got a chemical window when, you know, when it's a chemical yeah. and it's a hormone and its emotions are involved. Now, both can be changed as long as you, you, know, if you think about and you, you handle it the right way. So in doing this, let me give you an example. Maybe that will help. Yeah, Let's use men's disease as an example. Yeah. Okay, man's walking down a street, and he sees a woman with a low-cut low blouse. Yeah. And bam, a thought enters his head. Just a thought. Now, it's just electrical. It's just a thought. It's just brief. It, it would be easily controlled. Now, at that moment, that very brief moment, he has a cho- choice. He can let the thought linger. Yeah. Or he can realize that there's some danger associated with thinking this. It's not going to lead me to a good place, and he can cast the thought out. And in our book, we try to give all sorts of ways of changing thoughts. Yeah. But that's the moment. That's the, that's the critical moment right there is when the thought enters his head. Is he going to let it linger, or is he going to cast it out? And if you don't, then once it turns chemical, so, you, you've got you, – I mean, like adrenaline. I once heard that adrenaline stays in your system for like up to 24 hours. Long time. So once Versus your adrenaline has thought. fired, you've got chemicals on board, which will then, it seems like, keep perpetuating the thought. Now the chemistry facilitates Now thought. you have a, a, a bigger battle. It's yeah. still possible to win, but sure. you have a bit bigger battle. So let's suppose he lets the thought linger, and it becomes a bigger thought. Yeah. And it becomes another, you know, more sexual in its nature and more sexual. In it. And pretty soon he starts to get aroused. Now it turns chemical. It starts triggering all sorts of hormone in his, in his body. Now he's aroused. Yeah. Now the challenge with the emotional is it involves all sorts of feelings and, you know, deep-rooted uh, urges. And that's when men make dumb decisions. Yeah. Bless our hearts. If you look back at the course of human beings, men make their dumbest <laughs> decisions when they're, when they're aroused. So when, they, when the chemistry's taken over. And the chemistry's – they don't think clearly. Their thoughts aren't yeah. – and that's when they do things that they'll end up later regretting, yeah. that will embarrass them. That, that You know, that when they think rationally later, they'll say, what was I thinking? So the same thing happens with a woman. You know, she walks into a room and sees a beautiful woman that's much prettier than she is. And boom, now yeah. a thought enters her head. And she's going to start to think about herself and her own weaknesses. Now, at this moment, it's just a thought. Sure. It's easily changed. It's only going to last for a brief moment. And if she takes advantage of the moment and casts the thought out, boom, she's avoided all sorts of problems. Yeah. Just like the man. But let's suppose she lets the thought linger. And now it starts to trigger all sorts of hormones and emotions and feelings. And now she starts to get down on herself. And now in that chemistry, just like men make dumb decisions when they're aroused, we've had thousands of women confess that they just have said some dumb things, regrettable things. They've hurt people's feelings when their emotions are tearing them down. Every woman we've talked to describes that dark emotion. Someone once, you know, one woman described it as a cave. I'm in the cave. I go into the cave. Other woman said, Mm. it's my dark side. One woman gave us a great description. She said, it's like being in water in a funnel that's spinning around. And then you get sucked into it and it spins you around and around and deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon you find yourself at the bottom of this funnel and you just feel suffocated and you can't get out. 
And I thought that was a very powerful description Absolutely. of these emotions. Right. You know, so that's, and that's what we refer to it as, I'm in the funnel or she's in the funnel. Well, that's, in fact, John Gottman always talked about the flooding. So you're really, once the thought leads to a chemical flooding, you become, uh, you call it the arousal state or whatever, but it's also, and, or the flooded state. Once you're flooded, then it feels right. Even so, even if it's self-deprecating, even if it's to your disadvantage, your body is now wired and charged to feel it, and it's going to do so for quite a while right. because those hormones That's rage right. through the body. It's for interesting because it's very real. Because then you'll see how many times have I had a husband that gets really angry because his wife doesn't want to be intimate, or the, so the rage emotion comes out. Or how many times have I seen a wife get a female get very depressed? Because she's not good enough. She's not good enough as, as good as the neighbors. And I mean, it's a this is a very real experience. And then all of a sudden, it almost feeds itself, doesn't it? So it does. her she's now in a funk because she doesn't look or feel beautiful enough. He then makes a pass and tries to connect with her physically. She rejects the pass because she doesn't feel good about himself. He now uh, and then all of a sudden the cycle and we now wonder both why in marriages the funnel and they're both in the yeah. cave and they're you know and they're struggling with each other. So solutions are you've got two steps of a solution. You've got the solution where it's electrical, mm-hmm. and then there's a solution where it's chemical. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to change your thoughts. It's like I said, you can only think one thing at a time. Yeah. And so let's, you know, the man, for example, as soon as that thought pops into his head, by choosing what I am thinking about, I'm naturally choosing what I'm not thinking right. about. And so I can control my thought. And I'm just going to simply say, I will not let this become an emotion. I will not let this go further. So I, we suggest that everyone have a go-to thought. Hmm. You need to have you know, something that you pull out of your back pocket that when I need to choose to focus on something, this is my go-to thought. Some say, have a hymn. A hymn sing, that I sing. Sing a, song a that hymn I sing. from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Or a poem yeah. that I recite to myself or yeah. something. You know? and, 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 and we would suggest the same thing to self-deprecating thoughts. As soon as you, know, you go to church and you see the perfect woman who never you know, is always dressed perfectly and her children are immaculate. Yeah. And then you start looking at yourself and then you look at your own <laughs> children. And th- here comes the thought. Yeah. All right, pull out that go-to thought. Pull it out. Concentrate on it, whether it's a hymn or a poem or a statement that you like. Well, or and some people just do a meditation, like, I am valuable. That's right. I am good. I, God by, loves me. By choosing what is in my head, by mm. choosing what I am thinking about, I'm naturally choosing what I'm what not, not thinking about. So it's really about thought detection. Because right. if you can catch it at the electrical, you can usually turn it off on the chemical, I guess, unless— you know, some woman's going through menopause, and yep. then all of a sudden, maybe the chemical starts to proceed. When hormones get involved, that's a different story. Yeah, because that's where I sent a lot of people right. to talk to Robert is they're already just chemically generating a lot of thoughts. And again, more women are more prone to depression and to some of those feelings anyway. So it might, it might be the chemistry leading, or it might be the thought and the electricity leading. That's right. Powerful. Now... If we have two minutes, let me just share yeah. a thought about, about thirty how, seconds. But we'll come back. We'll save it after. Okay, we'll save it because it really is. Uh, the, the, what's so amazing about this? How much science knows. So we used to just explain this as, you know, it's any man that thinketh of the sin has committed the sin. But so so just that's just a simple little phrase that's in the Bible or whatever. And now all of a sudden, you actually have the science behind it that says, if you let the thought linger, 
you're going to create the chemistry. That's right. And then the sin is more inevitable. Because and then the, it perpetuates more thought. The emotions are raging through and you're thinking, yeah. you know, and you're not thinking straight. You're feeling. Yeah. Man, Bryce, where have you been all my life? <laughs> Bryce Dunford is in studio with this co-author of the book, I Am More Than Enough, helping women silence their inner critic and celebrate their inner voice. You can get the book on Amazon.com and um, I guess anywhere, really. Siegel, Siegel Desiree book, book. Deseret Book. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back more on uh, silencing the inner critic, turning off some of the electrical and the chemical thoughts and the sources that generate those thoughts. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, excellent discussion going on. We're talking about your inner critic. You know, what precedes your pain in life? The thought or the chemistry? The electricity or the chemistry? Great guest today, Bryce Dunford, is in studio. Bryce is a religious educator for 20 years. He's taught thousands of students, both at high school and college levels, He has a bachelor's degree in human biology from the University of Utah and a master's degree in educational leadership from Northern Arizona University. He's also the author and co-author of the book, I Am More Than Enough, Helping Women Silence Their Inner Critic and Celebrate Their Inner Voice. He co-authored that book with Dr. Robert Jones. And they're teaching us uh, through the book and with Bryce in studio, we're learning some pretty interesting things. Men are fairly driven by a very basic weakness, kind of the sexual appetite. Females driven very much by a basic instinct of, of uh, tearing down, comparing themselves to others. Uh, these weaknesses create thoughts at times, and then those thoughts, if they linger, tend to create chemistry. And the battle becomes the battle between turning off the thought early enough before the chemistry is created, and then we act out on it. Let me give a shout-out. Let me give you a little bit of hope to those who lose the battle of the mind, they lose the battle of the thought, and it becomes the chemistry, and now I'm emotional. There is hope. Um, after spending a lot of time reading and watching and researching and asking and pondering, we've discovered that it's, you cannot make an emotion go away. And that's, yeah. I think, what we try and do, which is, oh, well, I'm, just gonna tur- I'm just not going to be turned on or I'm just not going to be depressed anymore. It's very, very difficult if your approach is to turn the emotion off. It's because it's already fired. It's flowing through your yeah. body and it just self-perpetuates. Yeah. But what you can do is change the emotion. It may yeah. not be difficult to turn – it may be difficult to turn an emotion off, but here's how you change it. Let me illustrate with yeah. a story. Let's suppose you've got a brand new car. You're driving down in a rural area of Utah in your brand new car, and you look up ahead of you, and you see a young man with a co- – you know, he reaches down, picks something up, and cocks his arm. Yeah. Now, as you get closer, you see him throw a rock at your windshield. Now, you can't help, but the fact is you saw a young man hit your windshield. But what we do is we take what we see, the facts that we see, and we tell ourselves a story. We interpret the facts. Mm -hmm. So I just saw a young man throw a rock and hit my windshield. I can't escape that fact. But the story I tell myself is that he's a horrible young man. He's a deviant. Deviant. He's, you know, and and he needs to be punished. James Birdsall, right there. He has no regard for property. So that story 
creates an emotion. Yeah. And my emotion is anger. Yeah. It's natural that that story would create emotion in me. So I slam on my brakes and I back up and I'm going to give that young man a piece of my mind and he's going to pay for my windshield and we're going to find his parents. Then the young man runs over out of breath and says, oh, mister, I am so glad you stopped. I didn't know how to stop you. Three other people passed me and they wouldn't stop. My brother is in the ditch and he's bleeding and I need help. And you look at his hands and what you didn't notice was the blood in his hands. Now, all of a sudden at that moment, notice that your emotion changed. Yeah, it's different. Because you told yourself a new story. You changed your story. Mm-hmm. Instead of telling you the story that this young man was a horrible deviant, all of a sudden, he's a hero. Yeah. Because the reality is, I wouldn't have stopped had he not thrown a rock at my windshield. Little boy waving at me on the side right. of the road, I wouldn't have stopped. But he figured out how to get me to stop. He stopped, yeah. And so now, all of a sudden, my new story creates a new emotion. I love it. And instead it. of feeling anger, I feel a desire to help him. It's all it is in your body anyway is a, a chemical I formula. Just ch- I just change which emotion yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling. And you, turn, you, you retune the story and your body will naturally tune the emotion. That's right. So let's, here's a very classic example. Okay? Um, I'll use uh, a woman, uh, Michelle. I, uh, you know, the doorbell rings and Michelle's mother-in-law opens up. You know, I open up the door and it's Michelle's mother-in-law. And we've invited her, or Michelle's invited her over for dinner, and she comes in and saw what Michelle cooks and says, makes some snide comment. And here she goes, right? My yeah, mother-in-law just tore go. down my, my meal. You she know, hates me. Ruin the night. You know, yeah. and all of a sudden, the thought is allowed to linger, and it becomes a, an emotion. She's down on herself. She's, she's hurt. Yeah. You know, the, the story she just told herself is that my mother-in-law hates me. My mother-in-law hates me. She doesn't think I'm good enough for her son. She wishes he had married someone else. And those thoughts are going to create that story based on actual evidence. I mean, she really did say something critical of my meal. But that story creates a very negative emotion. So what if she changed her story? What if she said to herself, okay, now wait a minute. Why would my mother-in-law say that? Why would a reasonable, rational person say what she said? And she probably could think to herself and says, you know what? She loves her son, and, and she wants what's best for her son. And it probably hurts her a little bit that her son would rather live with me than with her. It probably hurts her that her son chooses me over her and loves me. And her defense mechanism is to kind of lash out at yeah. me when really she's just hurt that I kind of took her son from her. And, yeah. and he really does love me. Now, notice what just happened. Instead of, instead of anger, instead of feeling hurt, it's understanding. It's compassion. It's I would totally I, – I understand my mother-in-law. Sure. And I totally understand why she would say that. And instead of feeling hurt, I'm complimented by it. And I'm complimented that she recognizes that he loves me. And I'm, I, you know, and yeah, you see what then you can start to instead of being it. depressed for the uh-huh. rest of the night because my mother-in-law hates me and hates my cooking and doesn't think I'm good enough. She changed her emotion. But see, I guess she that's got out the of the key, funnel. Huh? Look at how much just awareness, which is probably the best place to start. You just have to be aware that you're starting to have the feeling. That's huh? right. And once you can tune into that and then decide that feeling in ten minutes 
is a whole different ball game than the feeling you just created by rewriting the story. And if you can recognize that the feeling is coming on because of the story I'm telling myself, then you have control over the emotion. Don't let your emotions control mm-hmm. you. Control your emotions by changing your story. No, Bryce, it's my husband's fault. <laughs> my husband makes me angry. My wife is the one. Because I wasn't angry till I got home. That's right. And then when I saw my wife and tried to give her the hug and she didn't want a hug, oh, she's such a prude. Now, and then change, we actually think it's them. That's right. Change your story. Why would a woman who has nine children and yeah. is exhausted by the time I get home from work <laughs> not just simply want. say, not tonight, dear? Yeah. Why would a woman – well, when you change your story, you'll change your emotion. It's so real, isn't it? It is. And – I mean, and then let's talk just for a second about uh, somebody going through a more a, a bigger chemical change. Or so some people have depression, which is a real chemical issue that then facilitates thinking that's more depressive. And yep. so, so you then, I guess, if if you're way chemically charged, always, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, attention deficit, or whatever you've got, any kind of mood disorder, any kind of Chemical issue. Yeah, there are so many hormones raging through the human body, and we we innocently think that they will last for our life. But the reality is, just like your car, our body breaks down. No one look. I mean, diabetes is nothing more than a hormone imbalance. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, diabetes is simply a hormone imbalance, and so no one really has a problem with. Hey, if you can't produce the hormone then what if we did it externally? Why don't you consume or intake the hormone that your body doesn't produce so that you'll be balanced? Well, there are so many other hormones raising through our bodies that sometimes get slowed down Mm -hmm. or turned off. Well, it's the same idea. If the bad thoughts, if the negativity, if the depression is coming from a hormone imbalance, then let's balance the hormones. We have the technology. Yeah. We can do it. You can go Let's, in and actually figure out where they're low, where they're high, create bioidentical, I guess. A synthetic, a bioidentical synthetic. synthetic hormone that you can just consume that balances those hormones and makes and puts us again in control of our emotions. Powerful. So we, you know, in our book, we address some of the issues and how to, reg- how to detect if you have a hormone imbalance and what to do. What's the next step? Yeah. How to control your thoughts, how to control your emotions, some tools to do that. And then if it's just your chemistry, if it's your body, then how do you, how do you balance a hormone imbalance? That's powerful. Tell us, we just have a couple minutes, but tell us um, where you've seen this change lives. I mean, I know you guys work with a lot of people. You've seen a the, lot of miracles. Yeah. We have. We've, we've spent a lot of time seeing success stories. And I think the biggest success, the biggest impact we've seen is when a woman reads the book or is exposed to what we're th- talking about and they just all of a sudden realize – you mean other people do that too? Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that – and it's crazy. just like a breath of yeah. fresh air to realize I'm not the only one that does that. And so I think one of the best things that we've done is we've addressed the element, elephant in the room. Yeah. So many, so many great women just assume that I do this to me but no one else does it to themselves. And I think one of the things that you – know, by talking about it, by addressing it, by dealing with the elephant in the room, we can just – we've allowed a lot of people to say, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Everyone does that. That's so freeing and that's so relieving to so many people to say, well, then I'm not so bad. And, and, and maybe there are some solutions out there. Maybe there's some practical everyday, here's what you can do. Mm-hmm to lift your spirit to not be so down on yourself. And if you can if you can just jump in and start controlling your thoughts, start there. Yeah. And if you need chemical help, 
If get you, chemical help. That's right. If you know going to that place is going to trigger your horm- you know, trigger your bad thoughts, then go in prepared. Mm-hmm. Go in ready to deal with your thoughts. Be smart enough to say, here are the things that trigger my yeah. self-deprecating yeah. thoughts. And when I go to those places, I'm prepared. I'm ready to tackle my thoughts. I'm ready to confront them and to deal with them and control them. I will not let my emotions control me. I will control them. And then you can ha- you, you, you'll find success. And then sure. by not tearing yourself down... We just live a happier life. Well, then it seems like eventually your thinking can become habitual. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start getting you repro- handle. You're reprogrammed. Yeah, you're reprogrammed. Uh, well done, Bryce. So appreciate you. Again, the book is entitled I Am More Than Enough, Helping Women Silence Their Inner Critic and Celebrate Their Inner Voice, co-authored with Dr. Robert Jones. I guess they can get it online, Amazon.com, yep. anywhere else out there in the world. Is there a website they should be looking for? We have a website, IamMoreThanEnough.org. IamMoreThanEnough.org. Go check it out. Bryce, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. So appreciated. We're taking a break. When we come back, we are going to uh, go a little deeper, I guess, in a different direction. Criticism in Relationships. Uh, executive producer Sean O'Neill is going to be joining us talking about that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Good afternoon, my friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number two. We're entering the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we've been talking about inner critics and uh, how sometimes, you know, the thoughts create chemistry and then the chemistry goes awry and then boom, there's a fire, which reminds me of the fact that I'm a firefighter, hypothetically, but I was trained at a fire. Excuse me. Are you okay? Yeah, I yeah. think so. It was weird. It's just right then you started coughing. Um, anyway, so I was right now, I'm just watching and, on and my Facebook. And a shovel Facebook. appeared too. I don't know. And a shovel. Uh, no, I was just watching on my Facebook page that this thing where I went and put out fires. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. And, uh, <laughs> and then. You. Thank and then, you, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> so I'm kind of a big deal, but I put out a fire, no big deal. It hypothetically saved millions of lives. Tens of millions of lives. And um, over my shoulder, Michael Pond was watching. Uh-huh. Which is, so this, this all makes sense, I promise. This is a good segue. Okay. And Mike's like, hey, uh, I think you have a better radio face than TV face. <laughs> I've been told that many times. Okay. Now, what would you call that, Sean? That sounds like criticism. Criticism. Yeah. Very much so. Okay. I think it's rude. No. And I'm looking at Mike through my rearview mirror. Yeah, but um, it was rude, Mike. But that's that's where you should look at people, right? Is in the rearview mirror. Yeah, as if I'm pulling away from him, right? right Never to see him again. You got something to say, Mike? (laughs) I'm I'm just trying to be honest, Matt. You got to be honest with your friends, right? Where do you draw the line between criticism and honesty? I mean, okay, just pod him down. Good question. Um, Yep, he's a jerk. Mike just got the gong. We gonged him. He's off the show for the day. So we're the gong show now? We haven't gonged anyone. That, he's Not the first long, gong. Yep. So uh, wow. Sean's on board here now, and Sean is going to 
I guess, teach us. I mean, it's one thing to to have like one of your producers that you've raised since a, since a pup. Yeah, who, be rude. Who's not married? Who's not married? But you've given him every opportunity on earth. <laughs> right. That's one thing to have him critiquing you. It's another to have your spouse being critical of you. Oh yes, now, very you, much so. I mean, you're married. You don't. I am. Your spouse is lovely. She's not critical of you. Mm, okay. She called in and said you're critical of her. Oh, really? We're starting something. I love it when we start something because then I get extra business. <laughs> she, so so talk, yeah. about, talk about dealing with criticism in a relationship. Well, I found something online here. Actually, eight it's a relationship blog from Gretchen Rubin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Happiness Project, actually. And she had a little insert here called Relationships, Eight Tips for Dealing with Criticism. There you go. So I thought with, I thought these were really okay. nice, actually. I'm going to try to do this with Mike because my wife right. never criticizes me. Of course not. She loves me. Right. She's a good human being. <laughs> She's a God-fearing human unlike others that I'm looking at through my rearview mirror. <laughs> so these are strategies that she tries to use to accept criticism. Okay. All right. Number one. Listen to what a critic is saying. Mm. Listen but and try to understand their point of view. Don't just nod while you formulate a retort. Yeah, yeah. So okay. actually listen. Let it in. Right. Yeah. Instead of instead of let it go. Let it go. Thank you. Number two is don't be defensive. See, but that's so hard. That's what that's what Gretchen says in this article. It's his toughest step for her. With her writing, for example, she always has to take a deep breath before reading an edit letter or meeting with an editor to remind herself, I welcome criticism. This person is helping me. I'm eager to hear how to improve my book or yeah, my article. Or whatever it is. Or, yeah. See, but that's what Bryce was talking about earlier because if it's already – if you're already of- offended and being defensive, you're already in the chemical stage. Yes. The fire is lit. I mean, again, as a firefighter, I'll just use a fire metaphor. Uh, the fire is lit, and somebody uh, somebody needs to step in and put the fire out. Right. Okay. Number three is don't fire back by criticizing your critic. That's right. Oh, I did it already. Your comments, See, they're just, just going to sound defensive. I know, but I just did it. So I just, yeah. I just fired back. I need to just see Mike not as, not as a threat. I just need mm-hmm. to see him as a weak, puny little man. And when you do that, though, if you do that, you're going to just escalate the thing. Yeah, that's, and, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. It's terrible. I feel bad. Uh, so number four is delay your reaction. Ah, see, I blew like half of these. Yes, already. <sighs> okay, I should have delayed. So like, sleep on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you have the time, yeah. Count to ten. And well, we'll just edit that part out of the. We'll just call him a, a weak, puny breath. man on tomorrow's show. There you go. That's a great. Will you remind me, James? Yeah. Just we'll just re- just take a recording. Okay. <laughs> uh, so according to Gretchen, she has a friend who has a rule that says when she's upset about something that happened at her children's school, she won't let herself do anything about it for three days. Wow. Yeah. That's a great – that is a great rule. And usually she decides that no action is better than action. Yeah, because it evaporates. The issue exactly. with the emotion goes away. So number five, explain honesty, honestly the reason for your actions. I explain the mm-hmm. reason for my actions. Yes. Sometimes it's tempting to recharacterize your actual feelings and motives. Usually, though, that just complicates things more. It becomes impossible to have an honest exchange. Yeah. I, I like that. Number six. This is going to be a tough one for Matt, I can tell. What? Admit your mistakes. But hold on. My mistake. <laughs> I knew it. My mistake was my face. 
Oh, uh, oh, because oh, oh. if we go back, <laughs> with okay, we we have to cut that was, out. We need that line. My mistake was my face. Oh yeah, great idea. Oh, see now I got two critics. Do you know what? Everyone's fired. <laughs> Where's but anyway, So I but, should admit that I, I should admit, Mike. I'm sorry that I called you a weak, puny man, and I'm sorry that you're so blind that you don't get that I would make great TV even mm-hmm. better than radio. Matt, I, I accept your apology. But what's really funny is when you accept a mistake, it's disarming to people. That's so true. People don't expect you to accept blame for mm-hmm. something that you, you've done wrong. Yeah, they, they expect the fight. Exactly. It's, which makes you think, why would they do it then? Mm-hmm. Because they're so, sick, puny. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap, yeah. Number seven, explain what you've learned. So if you can show a critic that you've learned something, mm-hmm. I've, I've, Mike. Then you understand the criticism. Mike, I've learned that um, maybe you don't think before you speak. <laughs> I can't do this without laughing. I guess that's not what I've yeah. learned. I've learned that I need to be able to take offensive <laughs> remarks from puny little men. <laughs> something like okay. that. Do you, remember, do you remember the message from yesterday's show that you had with our guests that were on to be um, fabulously uh, ordinary? Right. Number eight, yeah. enjoy the fun of failure. I think that ties yeah. in ex- the same with that be fabulously ordinary. ordinary. Enjoy the fun of failure. Mm-hmm. See, so we had fun with failing with Mike here. Exactly. And I enjoyed it. It, it's because you called him a puny man twice already. You're a puny man. Hold on. We've even pulled his mic down because you've been gonged. What were you saying, Mike? I was just saying more like five times. And Matt, you just in my defense, you asked me before I joined the show to always be honest when you were looking bad. So No, 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 no. No, I didn't. Is that not what you meant? No. No. Okay. I don't want you to be honest. <laughs> I want you to just Now, nice. to go along with these eight... Little tips. Yeah. I found some wonderful quotes about criticism. Let's hear them. That I think are, are really cool. So, Mike, let's just both of us take these quotes to heart. You in your puny little <laughs> man way. Man heart. And I'll take them in my puny way because I called you puny. <clears throat> Sounds fair. Okay. okay. From Sir Winston Churchill. Oh, boy. Here we go. You have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I like that quote. From He knew what he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. The oldest one I have on here, Aristotle. Yeah. To avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be, be nothing. nothing. Yeah, then you're nothing. Exactly. So you, so you got to put yourself out there. Enjoy the risk. Now, here's the one I really like. It's, again, from Winston Churchill. Criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. It calls attention to the development of an unhealthy state of things. If it is heated in time, danger may be averted. If it is suppressed, a fatal distemper may develop. Hmm. It's like it helps us. It can. Criticism is not – I don't think most people mean to be offensive when they're critical. I mean, yes, sometimes there is – you know, there's some. Mike didn't mean to no. be offensive. I mean, it's like it's like I wouldn't mean to hit him in the parking lot with my car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> either way, it's like either way, it was an accident, <laughs> right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm just saying. It's so. Let's just get that out there right now. Watch it, out in the parking lot, Matt. 
Uh, Mike. Yeah, Mike, tell me when you're leaving, pal. I do like this one, though, too, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I am persecuted whenever I am contradicted. Mm. See, people do that. Like, yes. oh, they feel like they're persecuted. And then you think of somebody that was really persecuted. Yeah. <sighs> like uh, Sterling, the guy that owns the Clippers. Now, that guy, <laughs> he's sitting there feeling so persecuted. Isn't it sad? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mike, I won't. You're safe in the parking lot. Thanks, man. And I'm sorry that I called you weak and puny. I, I'm sorry that I thought you looked better on radio. I, I should give you a chance on TV. I agree. And I'm sorry your eyes don't work better. <laughs> me, me too. I'm, I'm really sorry. There's a, do you guys feel the love? It, See, the show is working. When we, Look at this. Because we, months ago, we would never have talked mirror. to each other. No, never. That's because it's the mirror. It's totally the mirror. Now I yes. see him. Mm-hmm. We're applying what we learned. We're trying to find the good yeah, life. That's exactly right. Man, I hope you're all learning as much as Mike and I are. Mike and Ike. Uh, we're going to take a break. Your name's not Ike. It is now. Because it's Mike and Ike. I'll be Ike. You making candy? Yeah. Okay. I had to take my son's Mike and Ike's away the other day. Ooh. Hey, we're going to take a In break. In church? Uh-huh. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, when we come back, Meg Conley will be joining us. And during the break, Mike Pond is going to wake up Maddie Richards, uh, who somehow fell asleep during the last segment. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about the inner critic and being critical of each other and criticism in general. We'd love to hear any calls, any questions, any concerns you have. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, or uh, look us up on Twitter at BYU Radio, at BYU Radio. Great way to communicate with us. Again, Meg Conley is going to be joining us right now, so if you have a question for Meg... Um, we're just going to send you to her website, Meg in Progress, because she's crazy. We can't trust it. Yeah, Shawnee? I have a question for Meg. Do you? Yeah. Well, let's get her on the phone. Because sure. And anybody else that has a question for Meg, one eight five five chat byu or again, look her up, or look us up at, on Twitter, at BYU Radio. Uh, again, joining us, Meg Conley, the author, the founder. She was out digging a hole one day, and in the middle of this hole, she found a website called Meg in Progress. And then um, started writing on the website. She's a blogger. She's a mother. She has two kidlets, Zuzu and Viola. One husband named Riley. She uh, writes a lot about womanhood, motherhood, spirituality. And now she's a member of the Matt Hood, which is like a hood of the Matt people. Meg Conley, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, that is the best origin story I've ever heard. Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, I was digging a hole. It makes it all sound so like, yeah. you know, primordial. No, like, I know. It is existing. You were digging a hole. It will exist beyond us. Yeah. See, what's that funny? Meganprogress.com. You see, Meg, a lot of people go to your website, but um, I've been there a lot. And one of the things yeah. I think you miss is kind of an, a, a, an origin story. I, I'm going to add one. Yeah, I'm that's it. I'm pretty excited about this. Maybe like a little like 30-second video of me like, Reenacting the whole thing yeah. and the oh, discovery, yeah. like in your garden. 
Like you'd be out there like in a in a mismatched outfit. Yes. Yes. And with dirt all over your hair, and you're digging, let's just say you're planting something, like an oak tree. That's symbolic. <laughs> an acorn? Yeah, it's something. Oh, yeah, but it's got to be big. You're digging a big hole, and you're digging the hole, and you hit, all of a sudden, clink, you've hit something. And you uncover it, and it's meganprogress.com. I feel like this could have happened, too, because as a kid, I was really obsessed with, obsessed with Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh-huh. That was, like, a, a big thing for me. I feel yeah. like I may have tried to dig a hole like that at one you know point. What? Did you ever put uh, aluminum foil on your head? Not yet. Not yet, Matt. Okay. So that when the aliens come. Man. That's my first step. Meg, you know what? I love the days that you're on the show. I was being on. I'm sad I'm not in studio right now. I know. This, this is almost as good. I'm just looking at James now. Not yeah. the same. <laughs> not the same. Hey, uh, you don't know. You probably don't know much about criticism or self-critical or self-talk. Oh, I am, I am well-versed in criticism from within and criticism from without. I heard you have a doctorate in it. Yeah, yeah I do. It's a constant companion. Yeah, mm. it's my muse. Okay. <laughs> Teach us. What, what have you learned? And, and again, I think, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's and it, women aren't the only ones that own this, but it seems like you kind of have a corner on the market. Okay, we do, right? And so I think that for a long time, I swung the other way. I felt like I'm so naturally self-critical, which we've talked about in other shows at length, about when that comes, um, when criticism comes from a dark, ugly place, it is a dark, ugly thing and doesn't belong with you, right? Right, get get rid of it. Right. So I think for a long time, I, I felt like because I was trying to cleanse myself of that aspect of my personality, I um, decided that all criticism was bad, wrong, um, unnecessary, whether it was self-criticism or uh, criticism from my readers or from friends or, heaven forbid, my husband, right? Mm, right. <laughs> And so I, um, I think that right now what we as a society have done is we've swung the other way and we say um, you can't be critical at all. What's the thing is good criticism, whether it's coming from you or from someone else. We all need to have peace, love, and harmony at all times. <laughs> Everybody's doing fantastic. Um, there is no, there is no opposition, and um, we are better and smarter than that. Yeah, I would. I was just um, outside with my with my little girl, and we were drawing with chalk, like she was learning her letters with chalk on the ground, which makes me sound like a better mom than I am. She'd also watched a lot of TV today. <laughs> was somebody so, were, were you were you outlining a body? Right. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. Well, no, I'm just <laughs> wondering if because maybe you're not a great mom. Right. Well, I'm very mediocre, but okay. this was one of my few good mom moments. So we okay. were just out there doing that about you know, 20 minutes before before I got on the phone with you. And, you know, when she would make a letter wrong, I would say, you know what? That's too many too many lines on the M. The E should be smaller. Our head once, and she's done, and do, some, and do it right. And I just thought, how often when we are presented with valid criticism, whether from within ourselves or from someone else, do we nod our, our heads once and then set things right? Uh-huh. Like aspire to be better people. I think most of the time we yell, you know, haters going to hate, and yeah. then we double down yeah. on what we were already doing, but we're not going to grow. So so we need to realize that life is full of subtleties, and that there is such thing as good inner criticism and bad inner criticism, and we need to decide that we are adults, and we can figure out 
which one is which and move forward. Do you do you have some insight in how you discern? Because it seems like a lot of times your inner criticism, it's it's more like a broken record and it's the same sure. thing over and over. You're no good. You're no good or whatever it is. Sure. Is there a way to I guess I mean, your criticism should produce fruits. That's absolutely right. OK, so. I think that when it is bad, when it is that bad inner voice, okay, it is talking about your worth instead of the things that you can go out and produce, the things that you can do. It's talking about your soul, your heart, your abilities, right? It'll sit there and denigrate that. If it's, if it's the good, the constructive criticism, you know, um, this time was good. I, I think it would be better if I baked it for 10 minutes longer and added some chocolate on the bottom. Mm. Like, it's constructive. It lifts yeah. up your efforts yeah. instead of telling you that you can't make an effort. Yeah. You know it what? You know what, Meg? Do you want some positive criticism? Yes. Here we go. This is some feedback by one of our listeners. Oh, no. Uh, she, it's a tweet from M. Rose Johnson. Yeah. Which apparently is your mother. Uh, she says, Meg, why don't you have your own show? Shut up. I know. That's what I said. Shut up, M. Rose Johnson. No, but isn't that, see, so that, see, that's, you're getting feedback. I didn't tweet that to the boss over there. I got to get that over there. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, we talked to Don, but Don just, he just, he struggles with you. He's concerned. I can understand that. He says, anybody that names their daughter Zuzu... Wrong. There is something wrong. How do you you complain about somebody naming their kid Zuzu? That is from a classic movie. Thank you. What what, what movie? What movie was that? It's a Wonderful wonderful Life. life. Yeah. I thought it was from the Zuzicles. No, Jimmy Stewart and a Zuzu is Mm. a spicy uh, ginger snap cookie from Mm -hmm. the turn of the century. Okay. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, Okay. My bad. (laughs) Yeah, let's give her a show. Somebody get, hey, hey, you guys, uh, Meg needs a show. Somebody look for an extra show. I think we have one in the closet, actually. Sheesh. No, that's cool. Meg, I've been telling you for years you need a show. I've been telling you for years. Well, and I think, I think, so I think that we're actually okay at figuring out um, when inner criticism is good or bad, right? Right. I mean, we've been dealing with that for years. I think it's very difficult to deal with criticism from outside sources. Well, you and you experience that. That's one of the crazy things when you're a blogger or you do anything sure. in the public sphere. A lot of people have an opinion like that, like, "Hey, you need a yeah. show." But what if she was saying, "Hey, Meg, you need a life, and you got to quit writing." Well, okay, I've gotten that before. Have you? I mean, I've, I mean, and things that um could not, you know. Words directed at me that couldn't be shared on any radio yeah. station or TV network. Words I didn't know existed because they they were upset with um, my thought process or the things that I had written or um, you know the fact that I could breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so you are getting my emails. Right. Yes. Okay. So that, that criticism you just toss to the side. That has nothing to do with. You. Everything to do with the person directing it at you. But that's how do you do that? Because that for me is one of the hardest things. When somebody makes a comment, yes, yeah, yeah, I know. So it is, and I um, and I was not graceful about it at first. I would, you know, come out swinging, and um, did you ever call anyone puny? What I try? Well, it always made me feel bad about it afterwards. I feel like. I was this wordsmith that, like, slayed them and made them look <laughs> foolish, but then I felt foolish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so—so so now I respond with a lot of love. Yeah, do you um, now? I'm, 
I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I hope that you have a much better day. It must be hard to have been that angry at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like that with a lot of less because for me, um, that is what soothes me. I'm not going to poison myself, right, with right. anger at someone that, that doesn't have anything constructive to offer. That's great. But there has been a lot of constructive criticism. I've, I've put up articles that I was very proud of. And then um, in the comment section or, or in emails, people have said, I don't think you thought this point through, or you didn't address this, or this is easy to see from your point of view, but not from mine. And that criticism sometimes hurts the most because it's the most valid, but because it's valid, we need to figure out how, how we can grow from it, sure. and respect the person for, for giving it to us. And, and I feel like I've built on top of that kind of criticism, and it's been so good for me. I am so grateful for yeah, it. Well, and that's what's made you what you are today, a super megastar. Who's, <laughs> who's, worse. Well, you are, and you're about to get your own show. I can feel it. But I, I, I just actually got a text message while they were talking. They have me coming in tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, boy. No, I'm just kidding. You know what that means. I think Maddie sent that. Yeah, Maddie sent that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break while, uh, I don't know, we've got to like we got to circle the wagon. Somebody's got to go talk to Don. <laughs> we're going to take a break with the mega superstar, Meg Conley, from the website Meg in Progress, which, by the way, originated in a hole in her backyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> just read her blog. It's on there. And uh, she's good stuff. She really, she knows what she's talking about. And more about how to not be so offended by the criticism, how to move on, take the feedback as a, as a positive thing. This is the Matt Townsend Show, soon to be the Meg Conley Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. That was the laser shooting there. And whenever we shoot the laser, you know what that means. Meg Conley's in the house. (laughs) Meg Conley from the website Meg in Progress. She's actually not in the house. She's on a phone. I think right now she's standing by... She's in her house, isn't she? She's standing by at her house, I think, watching a movie. Um, I'm actually outside digging okay. a hole. Oh, so. you looking for a new website? <laughs> Good luck. I, you know what? You can't hit gold twice. Oh, Matt. Because your website <laughs> is gold. Meg in Progress is the name of the website, and you found it in the backyard in a hole. Hey, Meg, here's the deal. Yes. Um, you, you're a writer. Sure. So you appreciate a good book. Yes. Have you ever heard of Jane Austen? Okay. Um, we have a, a critique that somebody wrote of Jane Austen. And I just right. want you to listen to it. We won't say who it was until at the end. Okay. But, I mean, I mean, just so you know, the critic is pretty big deal. Okay. And I just yeah. want you to hear the feedback, and then I want you to help us figure out how to turn it positive. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right, Sean's Meg. going to read it. I haven't any right to criticize books, and I don't do it except when I hate them. I often want to criticize Jane Austen, but her books madden me so that I can't conceal my frenzy from the reader, and therefore I have to stop every time I begin. Every time I read Pride and Prejudice, I want to dig her up and beat her over the skull with her own shin bone. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay. By the way, that great, was not me. By the way, great point. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, great, but so by the way, um, you want to just guess who gave that critique? I have no idea. Um, historical figure. Historical figure. Seriously. Someone, uh, I, someone I probably respect in the rest of. Oh yeah, their no, life, I th- right? I think it's, it's kind a of a kindred spirit for you. It's not Harold Bloom. No, you love Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, let's just say the mighty Mississippi. Oh, Mark Twain. That doesn't surprise me at all. Mark oh, really? Twain. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He wants That's to so beat her me. over the head with her shin bone. Yeah, that does sound like him. I could see that. <laughs> To me, that seems excessive criticism. That seems like a, a like bit, a, that's maybe. a bridge too far. It's a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bone too far. <laughs> maybe not. So I guess you don't turn that one positively. Um, mm, you know, well, so so for him, for him, it was a personal dislike, right? I, I mean, know. he he um he he didn't like her writing style, but he he didn't. It didn't sound like it was a technical dislike. So. So you can have personal dislikes. I think you just, um, you know what, Matt? Why does it have to be positive? It doesn't. Why does he have to like her? By the way, he wanted to dig her up, Meg. He wanted to dig her sacred ground up and then beat her over the head with a shimbo. I mean, I guess the nicer way to say that would be to not say that. If you left out the desecration of a dead body part, (laughs) that would make it um, nicer. Hey, by the way, I'm writing that rule down. Um, avoid desecration of a dead body and no shin bone. Okay. No right. shin bone. All right. You're so grumpy, though. Plus, it's like Mark Twain. Yeah. Like, if Mark Twain knew my name well enough to want to beat me to death oh, with what a, my shin bone, yeah. I would be so pleased. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Mark Twain. Yeah, like, you've made I, it. You're big league. Right. Like, him hating me is better than him not knowing who I was. So, right. he, you know, take criticism that way sometimes, too. Yeah, no, see, that, that, that you just turned it. There, there's the compliment. There's, there's the positive side. That's right. And, again, another reason why you want to have a locked sepulcher. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Mine will be made of gold and encrusted with emeralds. Wow. Yeah. Does Riley know this? Um, he, he knows what I expect of him. He, he's got it. Because so. you know what, I might. I'm going to bet you're just going to get a hefty bag. Yeah, that uh, you know, somewhere between the trash bag <laughs> and the emerald encrusted tomb. An emerald encrusted my... hefty bag. Right, that's not where my burial lies. Somewhere in between those two things. Meg, you are changing lives. I've had people talk Stop. to me. I've read emails sent to you. Where you and your blog um, are are literally changing people's lives forever. Okay, well, Matt, I have to say that it's because I get to be on your show. People have found me through your show, so it's really still you changing lives. See what I did there? You know what? Flip. Brilliant point. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. No, honestly, it's not me because you're the one that tells the incredible stories and then they go to your blog and then you write so beautifully. Oh, um, you're so nice. And I'm blushing. I, you can't see that I'm blushing. I know, I can't. Wait, is this going to be followed by some criticism? No, I'm no. But I do want you to know something. I would never dig you up, A. B, never pound you over the head with your shin bone. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I respect that. you. I, I revere you. you. That is almost as good as Mark Twain wanting to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty 
getting close for me. Matt Townsend yeah. thinking I'm cool. Like, I'm done. Meg. That's awesome. You're nice, but we all know <laughs> who runs the show here. <laughs> no, we all know. James. I think James runs the show. It, it is James, by the way. <laughs> Which is what's the weirdest thing about all of this, because he never talks. Poor James. Hi, James. Hi. Still running the show, when like James, always. When James found out you were going to be, you were not going to be in today, he, he, you could hear an audible sigh, like, oh. It's uh. Well, I think it's because I often show up with goodies. I think yeah. that people are like, well, she has cupcakes this time. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And, and, then, and then I get criticism when I don't. And right. so, like, duly noted, show up with cupcakes. Yeah. I mean, done and done. Well, just I, I, that's how I feel. I feel like all I do is give, though, because I'm giving. <laughs> You're a giver. I give. Well, so, okay, here's my question. Uh, one of my readers, when I put up um, what we we're going to be talking about today, she said that um, self-esteem and confidence breeds an environment where you're able to process outer feedback. So how do we raise our children, how do we raise ourselves to have that self-esteem and confidence so that we can process feedback properly? Hmm. It's a great question. Have you got an answer? answer. You're not Townsend. Um, you know, it's, here's the deal. Uh, just as you were saying the, all of that, it is. It's like a filter, and you have to have the tension, right, of the right. criticism. Right. But you you also then have to have the fortitude of the self-esteem sure. in order to sustain it. How do you breed that? A, uh, I think you've got to answer one question. Why are you here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because once I figure out why I'm here, to me, that seems to give me all the self-esteem I know. I mean, why I'm here is I I need a check. (laughs) BYU Radio. Why else I'm here? I have a purpose and a vision. So once I have my purpose of what I want out of my life, then the criticism I just can maybe metabolize um, and, and use it for my good because I need to get better. Like Sean's always like, you always say, uh... That's good feedback. But then it makes me better. He's trying to make me better because he wants to right. keep a job. We all do. But see, that's the key. We can't get our vision out. Here's a great quote. No mission, no margin. I mean, no margin, no mission. <laughs> if, if, you know, if you don't have a margin, you're not going to have your right. mission fulfilled. And right. so uh, maybe that's it. Maybe you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to handle the criticism if you don't know why you're here. And at some point... You know, you got to have a bigger vision of why you're here because it seems like everything in the world's going to knock you down. I love that. And I think that once you decide, um, like, what your understanding is of the reason you are here, that also makes your worth unalterable. So, so there's nothing that you can do to change it, and there's nothing that outside forces right. can do to change it. And once you understand that that worth is an intrinsic, innate part of yourself, um, great, then we get to build around and upon that, but it can't be subtracted from, no matter what people say or what you say yourself. And, um, and, and I think that that is where the great empowerment comes from. But that's, that's, hard to, that's hard to realize about yourself, you know? Well, I, I, think it, I think it is. I think that's why religion flourishes. I think that's why people go to something bigger, because to think sure. that all this is about is your job, Right. And then it's taken away or all that this is about is your body or. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Or like even even and you talk about this a lot, even just your role as a mother. Right. If you got if you are defined by the, the role in your life at that moment, what happens when the role changes? What happens when it doesn't fit the way that you think it should mm-hmm. fit? That's all just that's all just too exhausting. And it leaves you it leaves you exposed and vulnerable. And we deserve better than that. Yeah. 
It's so true. Uh, You know what? Meg, you know what? You need to write a blog on that. I I, I should. That's my next topic. Write a blog on that. And I think you could add to it the story of the the founding of your um sure. of your blog. So here's the thing: when I write, sometimes I'll write little short stories on my website, and mm-hmm. I think that all of my readers are like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> <laughs> like I wrote one the other day about all the Google Fiber vans around yeah. my hometown. Uh-huh. They're putting Google Fiber everywhere, and it's like something out of a Ray Bradbury book, right? Like it's creepy. <laughs> Like once everybody's online, like they're gonna download our consciousness, and then and then they'll own the town. And, right? It's weird. Weird. We blog about that, and people were like, it was like crickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, no, I, a lot of times with when I interview you, I feel the same way. <laughs> I mean that in the most loving way. Like I think to well, myself, yeah, that's some good criticism. That's yeah, good criticism. it's just like where did she come from with that? Because you, you know, it's just it's just the internet. Right? Right, right. They really can't download your consciousness. You know that. Sure, but it's, yes, and I understand that, but it just seems like one town picked out of Americana to experience this this life-changing Internet, and it just seems ripe for storification, and that's how my brain works. So, you know, I write it down, and people are like, ha, ha, what an interesting idea, and they're totally terrified. And so then they go back to writing about womanhood because that's, you know, palatable. <laughs> Is that <sighs> it's kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, you did it again. Hey, um, when you when you were out digging that hole, yeah, you didn't eat the dirt, did you? No, no, that's pica, and <laughs> I'm able to get enough iron, so it's not a problem. Well, I mean, because you know, some yeah. I'm just worried about you because you're not in studio. Normally, when you act this way and you're in studio, we can see. <laughs> oh, you're still normal, but I have you a feeling you're almost just running around. <laughs> Provo somewhere with the police chasing you. Listen, that the, the Google Fiber thing, that is a story that somebody's making a screenplay of that right now. Yeah. Like one of your listeners was like, thank you, sending it to Spielberg. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I'm going to let you go, Meg. Just, <laughs> I'm just worried that I'm just worried. And, and if anybody that's listening could just check in on her, that'd be great. Meg, I'm so worried about you. Are you okay? You're just picking on me because I'm not there to defend myself. I know. Myself. It's so great. You're defenseless. <laughs> well, Meg, we love you. And uh, we, oh, hold on. Sean's got another one. One more quote for you, Meg. Yes. And this is from a writer. I don't know if you know this gentleman. His name is uh, Chuck Polinick. Chuck Woolery. Sure. Yeah. He wrote uh, Fight Club, actually. Oh, did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's easy to attack and destroy an act of creation. It's a lot more difficult to perform one. Like, absolutely. Wow. I love that quote. That was great. Put it mm-hmm. on a pillow somewhere. Well, and you, well, he did. He was reading that off yes. his pillow. I, I did some needlepoint <laughs> earlier. The guy can needlepoint faster than a typewriter. Um, That's amazing. But one really cool thing, you are constantly in the process of creating, and that's what I admire about you. Oh, you're the nicest, Matt. There's been so much nice and so much mean, and it's been very I know. confused. I'm kind of in and out. I'm in and out today. You know what else? I For some reason, I love the name Zuzu now. Love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's I great. Do. I love it. And, you know, she's not mine, so. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, okay. Meg, you're the best. Thank you. Will you be back here next week? Yeah, I'll in be In studio. There. Yeah. Try to be in studio. I just think you're more grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that from the heart. 
You just want me to bring cupcakes, okay? That's right. And bring say. cupcakes. Bring cupcakes. Yeah, with okay. no foil, please. Yeah. Uh, Meg Conley. Meginprogress.com is her website. Go check it out if you're in for some really interesting reading or if you just want to hear more about the Google conspiracy. It's, uh, it's something that's a must read. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. What is self-confidence? And who better to help us than Mike and Aaron on that one? We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That is the wrap-up music, the hoedown music, we call it, for the Matt Townsend Show. And whenever the hoedown music is playing, Maddie starts, like, seizing in a dance type of move. <laughs> it's dancing. Oh, that's dancing. Okay. No, that's good, because it never seems... As an Great. EMT, as a past EMT, to me, that was seizing. Oh. I usually would put something in your mouth so you don't bite your tongue. <laughs> Not as nervous anymore. You, you know, feel better? Now that I know... What what it is? That's, it's not a seizure. Hey, you dance too, Mike. Stop. Mike no. was dancing. You were dancing. Yeah. You does a chair a dance. Bit. I know, but we know that it's dancing, right? We're yeah, not yours afraid. Yours looks like dancing. Hers, We're not afraid to call nine one one. Yeah, it doesn't, like it doesn't look like a medical emergency. Right, right. Yeah. 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 It, it wouldn't. I think it's the frothing <laughs> at the mouth. <laughs> you guys are mean. And tips it over. Okay, so here's the deal. As we wrap up the show. Uh, we want to talk about confidence. We've been talking about the inner critic, which tends to beat us down, and we lose our self-confidence. So we thought, who's the most confident person on the team? And then um, they left. (laughs) And then the other one went away on an internship, and then Sky Boy is away too. So then we said, who wants to do this? And then Mike said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, But Mike, you really are a very confident person. Thank you. We handed you 250 women to date, and you confidently took on the task. Still ongoing. You're up to now 112. Oh, gosh. We'll have to do a report on that soon. And apparently my mother was one of them. (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot of different types of confidence. You know, we think think of uh, self-confidence. Yes. But there's a lot of other types of confidence. Like uh, car confidence. You know, confidence, yeah. A lot of people are confident in their car. Or well, yeah. I mean, and it's we we can. I, I think people when we talk about self criticism, we also fail to believe in our own power and the power of the environment and mm-hmm. those around us. Yeah. We we don't trust other people, and that those are types of confidence too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so teach us what are the five. Well, types of confidence that you use. Well, let's talk about the first one, the one that I consider to be most important, confidence in yourself. Okay. Uh, you know, this is – and a huge detriment to, to self-confidence we talked about is is the need to, to feel perfect all the time. Like Maddie, she right. has obviously got self-confidence because she's busting a move that clinically <laughs> would have her hospitalized. And yet she pulls it off and doesn't bat an eye. I wouldn't do that. And, and you know, I don't have that self confidence. That's totally key. You know, I'm not going to let you defend yourself here because it's uh, self confidence thrives on authenticity. Now you're, you're, you're being, being authentic. Who, you're being who you are, and, and even though it may scare know, people, get somebody hurt, <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. She was yeah. being she was being 
Maddie. That, that's who she is. It's and, beautiful. And that's the complete opposite of uh, you know lying or keeping up yeah. facades. And the more that you do that, uh, the more... So if you're self-confident, you have the ability to just be you. Exactly. To be authentic. Exactly. Not worry about what others are thinking. And, and that's the one that we probably are most familiar with. Yeah. But the, the next few are, are probably types of self-confidence that we aren't as familiar okay. with. So let's start with number two, uh, confidence in, in others. Okay. Um, you know, this is the confidence that, that we kind of uh, believe in the innate goodness of people around us and acknowledge, us, acknowledge that most people are trying to do the best they can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, holding on to others' failures, in, in, preventing them from reaching out to us and, and vice versa. That's the opposite of that. I, exactly. And this can keep us from uh, – That's a great idea. So part of confidence should also be you have confidence in others. You let them try things. You let them risk. You forgive. You forgive. That's a big thing for parenting because sometimes you know your child can't drive yet, but you're going to give them the keys. Yeah. And you let them go. You let them go. So uh, – we just need to focus on the positive attributes of the people around us good. and acknowledge that, that what they're doing might be good. Self-confidence and other confidence. What, what other types of confidence? Confidence in the unknown. So this is a hard Ooh. one. As much as yeah. we like to have the things uh, around us and in our lives to be under control, they're often not. And uh, knowing deep down that no matter what happens, there's something or, or some, the someone out there the that it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. That's huge. It's so like coming the on the show every day. Yeah. Like, totally. <laughs> we never know what's going to happen. We never do. And when, we, when I walk in, I'm thinking, oh, boy, what are they going to do to me this time? You know, and that's – this. But is, I, I have confidence in you guys. Every day, yeah. uh, life is full of uncertainty <laughs> and uh, our environment – so faith That's in the cool. unknown. That's great. Uh, especially when you're feeling uh, maybe powerless or, or maybe things aren't in control. The cir- your circumstances yeah. aren't working your well, way. Well, you guys all are going to – eventually you're going to have to leave the nest that we've built here. And you're going to have to go. What are you two doing over there? Um, we're putting – I'm wearing these headphone cords stylishly. I think that if I'm going to be board opping, then I – better look good while I'm doing it. You must be really bored. <laughs> I, I don't know how to segue that. No, you don't. Just keep anyway, going. Anyway, so that's future really, confidence. Yeah. I like that. Confidence one. in the unknown. Believing in that, that can really help you feel empowered. Yeah. Um, and, and that can make a situation much better. But the next two are kind of related. Uh, confidence amidst change and confidence amidst uh, adversity. Confidence amidst change. This is the ability to adapt and go with the flow yeah. when without falling apart. Um, whether you're transitioning between jobs or getting out of a relationship or getting over the passing of a loved one, uh, change is hard. It, it's really difficult, but it happens you have to, to everybody. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't have to be torture. No. In fact, that wouldn't it be great to be confident in change? That's cool. Yeah, acknowledging that change is happening. Yeah, we'll try it. Let's and do trusting. it. Let's see what, that's, again, I think you all have that. That's a great trait because we on the show are constantly changing, and you just step in and take it. So that kind of confidence can be developed by uh, resisting less, doubting less, uh, questioning less, and, and trusting more. I like that. That's good. What was the other one? The, the last one is confidence admits adversity. This is the kind of confidence that's about uh, a conviction that you're not going to be the same in the same state forever. But that you will remain standing no matter what happens. And this is different than than change because rather than moving along, uh, you're staying put. 
yeah. when when bad things are happening around you? Uh, amidst adversity, I you know not to brag. I'm kind of a big deal, but um, <laughs> I, I teach I teach Sunday school. Oh, look at Me you. too. Gospel doctrine. I do too. And I taught yesterday. Don't steal his thunder. Did you teach yesterday? I didn't. So I taught about the the Israelites wandering in the desert. Do you remember how many years? Forty. Forty years. Do you, do any of you know how long the journey was supposed to be? Two, right? Or like eleven days. Eleven days. Eleven. Eleven days. Forty years later. Okay. It's unbelievable. That's messed up. That's messed up. 11 days turned to 40. So I'm sitting here and you're talking about confidence. So they've got to be confident in themselves. They've got to be confident in others around them. Moses. They, I mean, at some point you'd be like, uh, Moses, you know where we're going? <laughs> <laughs> but then they also had to have confidence in um, their future. That They'll be all right. Their ability to change. And in all of their adversity. And you know what's funny? They struggled with it for 40 years until they finally got their confidence. Isn't that? But it's interesting. This is a really cool point. I don't know why I'm teaching you my lesson. They then finally said, before you go in, now you're going to get the promised land, but don't forget where you've been. Beware lest you forget. Ah! Anyway, cool. Here's a great quote by Ralph Marston. There are plenty of difficult obstacles in your path. Don't allow yourself to become one of them. Boom. Booyah. There you go, folks. There's the Matt Townsend Show again. Let's lose the self-critic and let's gain the self-confidence that Mike so beautifully, eloquently explained. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow talking about forgiveness. And we hope uh, you will all please give us some forgiveness. See you tomorrow.